Hello, spooky friends. It's our favorite time of the week and soon to be the best time of the year. As the hellish months of summer come to an end, we can expect a chill in the air to come our way. It's the perfect setting for scary stories and I will be here to make sure your dark desires are satisfied. We go about our lives caught up in the day-to-day -day simple problems of family, school, and work. But we forget that the devil and other evil entities are always looking for an opportunity to take us down. So if you're not careful what path you're headed down, it could be the path to hell. First, the sea beast of Ireland, followed by all roads lead to hell. Then it follows. Finally, in our featured story, Deadly Cult Obsession. We receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week. And of those, the scariest ones make it into our podcast along with the story that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send us an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Scary Story Podcast brings original, short, scary stories right to your ears every week. Like Dead of Night, the story of a man who moves into a new apartment building only to discover its sinister foundation. Or another recent one, The Delivery, where a man discovers a family secret hidden in plain sight. Have you ever listened to a scary story that lingers as if it reminds you of a long-lost memory? My name is Edwin Covarrubias, host and writer over at Scary Story Podcast, where every episode brings you a short, original scary story every week. The stories are read just like this, me telling you a frightening story that will blur the lines between this and the world of hauntings, ghosts, experiences that defy logical explanation. You can join us by searching for Scary Story Podcast on your app right now. It's the show by Scary FM. I'll see you over on Scary Story Podcast. So, want to hear something scary? Portal to Hellfire. It's difficult to tell when the devil is playing a trick on you. Hopefully, you'll live to tell about it. Like in this story, inspired by Holly Phillips, told to her by her granddad. My great-grandfather, Jack, lived in Ireland. He was a builder by day, but a fiddle player by night. That was his true calling. Everyone knew he played and he would be called upon for weddings, birthdays, and occasionally the last-minute get-together. Sin for Jack, they'd say. One night before he left for work, someone passed along a message requesting he attend a private party near the Wicklow Mountains. It was a remote location on the side of a cliff. Jack didn't even realize there were people out that way. It was pretty late, but with his fiddle in tow, he headed toward the mountains. He drove carefully down a dirt road where the waves were smashing against the rocks. Opposite the jagged cliffs were marshes. As the waves crashed, he felt a shiver down his spine. In our family, that superstition meant someone was walking across your future grave. He pulled his car over, rethinking the message. He didn't know whose party this was, and he was beginning to feel uneasy about it. It was getting darker by the second, the clouds were rolling in fast, and the weather looked as if it was about to turn. His gut was telling him to forget the gig and just go home. He was about to start the engine when he heard what sounded like hooves. 
but it looked deserted outside and not at all safe for horses. Getting out of his car for a better look, he could see there was nothing around. Then, all of a sudden, he felt a hot, heavy breath on the back of his neck. His entire body froze. A stench like rotten meat creeped around his head and went straight into his nostrils. His hair stood up on end. Slowly, Jack turned around and he was startled to see a man's chest. The rest of the man towered over him, sitting on top of a horse. But when Jack looked closer, he was horrified to see the man had no legs. He was part of the horse. His torso was grafted onto the body of the beast. He was completely hairless, translucent in the moonlight. The entire surface appeared as raw, bloody flesh with thick black blood coursing through its veins. Its ligaments and muscles writhed with every movement, arms long and ape-like and hung down to the ground. Instead of fingers, it had claws, and instead of two eyes, it had one huge blood-red opening in the center of its face. Jack lunged for his car door, but the creature blocked him. He took off on foot, the beast's hooves thundering behind him. Jack cried out to God to help him as he ran, mindful of the dangerous coastal road as well as the beast behind him. The creature was closing in, reaching its long, slimy claw out towards Jack when suddenly it started to rain. The creature raised its singular red eye to the sky and screamed. The howl echoed through the cliffs, as loud and horrific as a hundred tortured souls. Then it completely vanished into a pool of bloody ooze. In shock, Jack stumbled back to his car. He drove around for what felt like hours trying to find the location of the party, but it was nowhere to be found. Jack finally arrived home past midnight. He raced into his house, drenched from the storm and still shaking from his encounter with the vanished beast. He told his wife everything and they prayed together, thankful for his safe return. He barely slept that night, tossing and turning, imagining the sound of hooves, the rotten smell. The next morning, as he stumbled into work, his colleague laughed, presuming Jack was fatigued from a late night of fiddling. Then he saw the troubled look upon Jack's face. I didn't make it to the gathering. I, I, I encountered something rather odd and frightening on the way. As Jack told the story, his colleague's eyes widened. Did it touch you? He cried. Answer me, Jack. Did the beast leave a mark upon you? Once Jack reassured his colleague it had not, he begged to know what creature he had met with. And so he learned of the Neklavi, the devil of the sea, a hairless, skinless sea demon able to roam freely on land. Its only kryptonite was fresh water. It cannot exist without salt from the ocean. Jack had been able to escape due to the rain. They were sure the false invite to the party in the mountains had been a trap planned by the devil himself. Although Jack had narrowly escaped the Niklavi's clutches, by all of my family's accounts, he was never the same after that horrific night, constantly haunted by the sound of the phantom hooves. Have you ever felt like you were being lured somewhere? Like you were in danger from something supernatural? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now 
All you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. When your life is in danger, you might get help from the most unlikely source. Like in this story, written by Janine Pipe, inspired by the Rhode Island legend, Devil's Foot Road. It was nearing midnight in Wickford, Rhode Island, when Louisa looked down at the man she had just murdered. She felt no regret, no sense of moral wrongdoing. He hadn't been a good man, but then she wasn't a good woman either. She wiped the blood off the knife with her skirt, and she made sure she had emptied all of the pockets of gold. She was about to make her escape and head off into the dark when she heard footsteps approaching. She deftly hid behind a tree, her body already partially out of sight thanks to the fortuitous positioning of a large rock. She tried to keep her breath steady, not frightened, but alert. And of course she had the knife just in case. She could still hear movement, but it seemed far closer than it should have been. There was also a strange smell in the evening air which reminded her of fermented eggs. Wrinkling her nose, Louisa peered out from behind the thick trunk and was angered to see a man looking directly at her. She started to raise her arm with the knife, self-defense kicking in, but he was quicker than she and knocked it from her hand, then kicked it away into the darkness. Still pinned by the gloved hand on her arm, Louisa struggled, perturbed by his strength and annoyed by his boldness. Sir, what is it that you want from me? She cried. With only the moon to cast any light, she could still make out the stranger who appeared to be a gentleman despite his very unseemly actions. I would like you to walk with me, the man replied. His words punctured with plumes of smoke, although she could neither see nor smell a pipe. Louisa was taken aback and for the first time felt the inkling of trepidation. What sort of gentleman appears out of the darkness asking young women to accompany them for a walk as if they were in an English royal park? She jutted out her chin defiantly and stated firmly, no. Not liking her refusal, the man grabbed a hold of her arm with a firmer grip, bruising her skin so much she called out in pain. Help me, Satan, she cried, knowing she would have no luck calling upon the heavens. Save me from this fiend. To her shock, the gentleman threw back his head and laughed, his hat falling to the floor and thus revealing an odd hairstyle which didn't quite cover the two prominent horns. No longer needing his disguise, the devil threw off the rest of the clothing, 
revealing his true self resplendent with cloven feet. Unable to move, Louisa could only watch in terror as the beast grabbed her in an ungainly fashion so that she was left with only one foot upon the ground. He then stamped his own hoof twice so fiercely that the trees around them shook, and a great chasm opened up, literally out of thin air. All Louisa could do was scream as the black hole swallowed her up and the devil laughed as they fell together all the way to the fiery pits of the underworld. Her treacherous and murderous deeds might not have been punished during her time on Earth, but she would forever suffer an internal damnation for her sins in hell. A legend was born, and today, if you visit the picturesque town of Wickford in Rhode Island, be sure to head to the Devil's Foot Road. Once there, look for the footprints left by Satan on the surface of a ledge near the road. One has the form of a cloven hoof, and the other is the exact shape and size of a human foot. Have you ever felt so desperate you would cry out to Satan for help? Have you ever made a deal with the devil? If you've lived to tell about it, tell us your story by sending us an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. You may just want to hear some scary stories, but the ghosts might want you to be a witness, like in this true story by Megan Sloan. I have always been sensitive to the spirit world, so I'm careful about my interactions with ghosts and entities. They aren't always what they seem. A spirit can be more dark than light, and that can be dangerous. That's why, as I got older, I refused to directly interact with the spirits. That said, I still love a good ghost tour whenever I visit somewhere new. During my many travels, I'd never experienced anything supernatural. It's my understanding that these tours tend to not scare, but discourage the ghosts. They don't usually want an audience. Most of my contact has happened when there was no one else around. Spirits can be shy too, all but one. I was in San Antonio, Texas for work and booked a ghost walk on the Riverwalk. Our guide was incredibly knowledgeable. He was careful at the sites we visited and had a much stronger gift than mine, often able to gauge the temper of the spirits at our stops. The tour was entertaining until we reached the Spanish governor's mansion. As the guide began to recount the building's history, my heart started racing and that flight or fight fear overcame me. I had to use all of my will to stop the onslaught of a sudden panic attack. When he stepped aside so our group could look, I followed him instead away from the mansion. The guide saw how easy I was along with the one other woman. He called the group over and asked if anyone else felt suddenly afraid and uncomfortable. Two more women raised their hands. He went on to explain how one of the spirits known to haunt the building often had that negative effect on women. In life, he had abused and even murdered several women and had been hung there as punishment. We continued our tour, and just as my heart rate was beginning to normalize, we reached our last stop, the Holiday Inn at the Riverwalk. The Holiday Inn was a historical site. It was the old Bear County Jail, the prison where most of the public hangings occurred, including the last with an audience. Many horrible prisoners were held there, and the energy was so bad a crippling headache set in immediately. Our guide finished discussing the building and its awful history, and we crossed the street. 
As soon as I stepped on the curb, my headache got worse. As we got closer to the building, I started feeling a stabbing sensation in my back and a weight on my chest. I knew something was very wrong to have a physical reaction this strong. I asked our guide how he dealt with spirits, including malicious ones. He told me about Palo Santo, something I wrote down to look into further. During the walk, I kept putting my hand on my chest, trying to help with that feeling of weight, also trying to stretch my back while I walked, hoping to make the feeling go away, praying it was just anxiety. After the tour, I went straight back to my hotel room. Thinking I just needed sleep to make that awful feeling go away, I hurried to my bed. The second my head hit the pillow, however, instead of feeling relaxed, I knew I wasn't alone. Go away. This is my space and you aren't welcome. Leave, I said firmly, looking around my room. Maybe it would work, but suddenly my body was pinned to the bed. There was a weight on me, pushing my face down into my pillow. I struggled and was able to turn my face when I saw it the spirit who followed me home. I managed to squeeze out something to say. In the name of the Father and the Son, I command you to leave. We struggled for a little longer, and here my memory gets hazy. But eventually it left, and somehow I fell into a restless sleep. Early the next morning, as soon as I awake, I began reading about Palo Santo, pieces of a wild tree. It would expel negativity and evil spirits, I was determined to get some as soon as I could. I found a farmer's market and a vendor who had incense, and by some fortunate twist of fate, they had Palo Santo. I bought several pieces, and when I got back to my room, I placed them everywhere, around my bed and under my pillow since I couldn't burn it. That was against hotel policy. It must have worked because that night I couldn't sense anything or anyone who didn't belong. I believe that spirit was pulled back to the prison where it belonged after that night and I haven't felt it since. That didn't stop me from burning the Palo Santo when I got home and doing my best to cleanse my home of anything negative or malicious that I could or couldn't sense. And I keep a stash of it with me always now, just in case. Coming out of this experience reminded me of how little I know and how ill-armed I was against any evil entity. I'm slowly learning more about how to protect myself and I've started researching more about warding and I strongly suggest you do the same. Do you like ghost tours? Have you ever experienced anything otherworldly on any of them? Tell us your story at somethingscary@snarled.com. In our final story, join my co-host Stephanie as she tells the tale of a remote island in Chile that is rumored to house a cult of brujos, inspired by Sarah and animated over on our YouTube channel. Isadora was obsessed with her university class. Learning about the Chiole Islands in Chile, she was fascinated with the lore about a cult of male witches, or brujos, that resided deep in the caves. She whispered to her classmate, Lise, aren't you from Chilole Islands? He nodded. Isadora was giddy with excitement. After class, she took him out for coffee to learn more about his hometown. He described it as a magical place. There was a dark fog that took over the quiet forest. It could cover you to make you feel invisible, as if you had been swallowed up by nature. 
The island was extremely remote with a reputation of being dangerous. Therefore, there weren't even any tours one could take of the area. Juan needed to know more about the unusual group of men, the cult called La Recta Provincia, or Righteous Province. Isadora started hanging out with Louise as much as possible. It seemed the only way to get more information about the place. The two became close, and soon a romance developed. Isadora was invited to travel back home with Louise for fall break. She was excited to see the island with her new boyfriend. The island was even more remote than Louise described. When they finally arrived, Isadora was overwhelmed and an eerie feeling ran through her bones. She saw this constant mist as he walked her through the small towns, pointing out old wooden buildings. Isadora pressed him to see the caves of the Brujos. She didn't travel all this way to wimp out. Luis wanted to make sure it was what Isadora really wanted. He told her there was no going back. She burst out in laughter. She loved how Luis was playing along, trying to make the experience creepy and unforgettable, especially since it was almost spooky season. Finally, Luis agreed to bring her to the caves. They walked for hours deep into the forest. Just as Isadora stopped for a breather, she looked up and let out a cry of shock. Standing before her in front of a cave was a mutilated, deformed, human-like creature. Luis warned Isadora to stay calm. They slowly walked past the creature. Its head followed them, turning a hundred and eighty degrees on its body. Isadora clasped her hands over her mouth to try to stop her screams as Luis led her past. Luis explained that the creature was actually called a Invuche, and when it was in its infancy, a male child was abducted from a neighboring town. Then the creature was brought to the town's deformer to have its hands, arms, and leg joints separated and rearranged in gut-wrenching positions. His neck was stretched and twisted, so it could turn its head to see everything. Its right leg was removed, then sewn into a new position on its side to make it come over its back like a scorpion's tail, thus creating the most ghastly creature imaginable. It then stands guard of the cave for the cult members. Monstrosity was still looking at them as they walked deeper into the cave. In a full panic, Isadora begged to go back. She didn't expect to see anything real. She thought it would be fun. How could she have imagined any of this was true? As Isadora began to cry, Luis turned on the flashlight of his cell phone, illuminating the cave. They were surrounded by male witches. Isadora turned to run and was immediately grabbed by a gnarly looking witch. She cried for help, but when she looked at Luis, she saw something she never had before, a hint of evil and a sadistic smile. <laughs> and you thought her Vuchu was scary, he mocked. Her heart sank when she realized he would be of no assistance. Her body went limp as she was dragged further into the cave by the group of men. Outnumbered and overpowered, Isadora didn't even fight when the strangers tied her up to a stake. 
She shook in fear as Louise reappeared by her side and began to ask her questions. Did she remember what they learned in class? What did the Brujos have to do to become initiated members of the cult? She racked her brain and tried to remember what she learned in class. One of the steps of initiation was the pledges had to spend 15 nights straight in the freezing cold waters of the Trigon River. It was to wash away the effects of Christian baptism. Next, they must murder a loved one as a sacrifice to Satan in exchange for their loved one's death. The devil would give him the powers of the brujo. That was how one became part of the cult. Luis admitted he had already spent 15 nights in freezing cold water. He had only one task left. As he approached Isadora with a hunting knife, he thanked her. He said he couldn't have done this without her love. As he held a knife to her throat, she looked into his eyes, pleading. She asked why. It's simple. You are the only one I knew who was obsessed with La Recta Provincia. This week's podcast stories were edited by Sarah Lukasiewicz, Janine Pipe, and Stephanie Strange. Narration by Blair Bathory and Stephanie Strange. Audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Additional audio editing by Calvin Linderman. Art and graphics by Irma Richardson. Produced by Anna Villalobos. Executive produced by Gail Gilman. Music by Sapphire Sindalo and Calvin Linderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarl.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my spooky friends, sweet screams. <laughs>